0: Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. We are discussing in this series healthy relationships how to walk in the fullness of who you are in every relationship and really gain an understanding of not what the world would define as a healthy relationship but what does god have to say about a healthy relationships now in episode one we talked about how we are created for connection and more than anything that god created you that way because he has a desire to connect with you if you have not seen that episode uh, make sure you check it out created to connect but today we're going to be talking specifically about characteristic traits of a healthy relationship so i'm going to be working you right through my book to love and to be loved establishing healthy relationships again I highly recommend that you get a copy of this Um, the link is in uh, the bio here and you can also uh, just go straight to amazon google it google my name um, and you can find it there Not only can you get just the book, but you can also get the study guide, which will help you take the concepts in the book and really personalize it. Um, There's an evaluation in there where you can kind of assess your own relationships and really discover, man, are there some places where I could grow um, in my relationships. Today, let's talk about fear, and I'm gonna really be walking you through, um, walking you through some characteristics of things we should be looking for in our relationships. Now, I'm not really sure how far I'm gonna get today because um, I'm just gonna kinda teach and preach and share with you uh, what the Lord has revealed to me in regard to healthy relationships. A lot of this really goes back to my own personal story and how uh, for years I operated in fear and relationship and that was part of the system that I was growing up in Um, I think most of us would probably say uh, that it's true that as a child we learn uh, that in order to gain um, love a lot of times we have to uh, play the part. I'm not just talking about physically or sexually, I'm talking about even uh, with our friends, our peer group, Uh, even when we're young, just having that fear of being open and honest, going against the grain, um, having a confidence to be able to have an opinion that's different than people around us. And let's be honest, our society does not really cultivate safety in honesty, but rather we uh, really can be pretty hateful when people are open and honest about their opinion. Especially when people disagree with our opinions. So I'm gonna digress from that topic because I really want us to have an understanding that our design is to be able to walk in freedom from fear in every relationship. Um, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 4 4.18. So it's 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not yet been made perfect in love. I want us to think about that word torment. When I think of that word torment, I I kind of connect it to the idea of torture or physical pain. Um, But the word torment can be connected in the same way, only it's on an emotional level. It's the idea of emotional pain or mental anguish. So it's the idea of being held captive and then being having pain inflicted over and over and over again. And a lot of us can really relate to that in our relationships. I know I've been in relationships in the past where I felt like, man, I feel trapped in this relationship. I feel like I'm stuck in this place. And mentally and emotionally, for some of you, it's been physically, I'm experiencing pain over and over and over again, or the mental anguish of just difficult conversations Or the emotional pain of hateful things or hurtful things being said. Or for some of us, again, the physical pain of not being treated physically with tenderness and gentleness. This is torment. And the Bible says that this is the opposite of what love should be like. It says that when we are operating in fear, and let me be clear here because what we're going to be learning is a lot of times the fear that we experience in relationship isn't necessarily because of the way people are treating us, but rather because of the way we are behaving or just the perception that we have that we live in fear and the inability to really be open and honest and genuine in a particular situation. So our, again, our culture kind of cultivates this. Uh, where we have this cancel culture that if I am open and honest and genuine about who I am or even my lifestyle that the culture just cancels us and completely uh, wipes out even our existence and all that does is cultivate fear and the inability for us to feel free to be honest even if it's different um, than what you think how you uh, what your opinion are what are what your opinions are or how you feel. So we really are going to be talking a lot about freedom and this freedom specifically from fear, because we're learning in the Bible that a perfect love has nothing to do with fear. In fact, a perfect love is what casts out fear. So as we work through this book, we're going to be talking a lot about how if I'm operating in fear in a particular relationship, that I can be sure that I am not confident that that person is going to love me if I were to set a boundary, if I were to say no. More uh, pointedly, I'm not confident in God's love for me even if this person does reject me. Because the truth is, people are going to reject us. So I spent a lot of my years growing up, the system that I was raised in kind of taught that you have to look a particular way, you have to act a particular way in order to be accepted, in order to be loved. Uh, This is not unusual to any of you. This is part of, again, how our culture just kind of works. Um, And what I found was throughout my years of junior high and high school, um, when I got to be in my 20s, I struggled a lot with clinical depression and panic anxiety attacks. And I started to realize that I was bound up by a lot of fear, and a lot of this fear was... um, was rooted in some of the relationships that I had. And again, some of the the, the fear that I had wasn't necessarily because there was genuinely something to fear a lot of it was because i didn't have the confidence and so i just operated in fear even when there wasn't genuinely a reason to fear and so those muddy those waters begin to get muddy for those of you who have read my book enforcing you i talk a lot about how your core belief predetermines how you will perceive something what your perspective is and ultimately the paradigm that you will walk in therefore then the paradigm or the pattern that i walk in so let's say my core belief is that I'm not. I have no value, and that I have no worth, and I believe that I'm just rejected, that I'm not loved completely. Every experience that I have, the way I perceive that experience is going to get filtered through this core belief that I don't think that person loves me, anyways. My perspective will be, uh, my point of view of what happened will be filtered through. Also, the the idea or the thinking that. I don't feel like this person loves me. I'm not lovable. Uh, This person's just going to reject me anyways. And then I begin to walk in that paradigm, meaning that's the pattern of the behavior that I operate in. And our patterns and our behaviors subconsciously teach and train people how to treat us. Okay. I'm going to say that again, our patterns and our behaviors subconsciously treat people how to teach people how to treat us. So you know those people where it's like they're so rejected and so unlovable, their behavior or their continual self-pity or I know you just don't love me and it becomes very draining and you end up rejecting that person because they drive you crazy. This is an example of how this person's core beliefs of who, of the way they see themselves has taught and trained you how to treat them and the way you've treated them, them Confirms their core belief, which is just a core lie. It's what we call your belief system or your BS Um, And so all of that you can learn more about that in my book enforcing you but that ties into a lot of How we walk in our relationships? So I was grown grown up, you know, like a lot of us just really with a lot of this pressure to be all of these things, to behave a particular way in order to be accepted in a scenario. Um, I just got off the phone with a client who is experiencing uh, living under two households um, and there's a set of rules at dad's house and there's a set of rules at mom's house and in order to be loved or be accepted, this is who this person needs to be at dad's house but yet she has to be this person at mom's house and she's beginning to feel like She doesn't know who she is because in order to be loved or be accepted or not get in trouble in each one of these houses, she has to understand and follow the rules of each one of the domains. And so what is happening now, uh, this has been her life for the last 10 years, and so now as she's 18, edging on 19 years old, she's beginning to realize, I don't really know who I am, and I don't feel like there's any stable place. There's no anchor. There's no consistency in my life, which, of course, is a perfect place for us to inject the anchor of Jesus Christ and his love and how no matter where we go, he is the constant in our lives. So this is just a perfect example of how, Um, we operate in fear in relationships. And so it ends up kind of altering our identity in a moment. So I might say this isn't necessarily what I believe in or how I feel, but if I'm sitting at a table with a bunch of people and they're saying this is how we feel, this is what I believe in, and I feel a fear um, in being able to, I don't feel free to be able to go against the grain, then in that moment, My identity is being squelched, at the least, um, and I'm not able to be true to who I am and who I want to be. So over the years, I have have been studying a lot on how to be set free from not just the toxicity of relationships around us, but the toxicity within us that then cultivates toxic relationships. And what I have discovered is a lot of us think We're walking in healthy relationships, um, but we're not. And so that's why I wanna go over some of these healthy characteristics with you for you to be honest about your relationships. Now, when I'm talking about relationships, I'm not just talking about marriage, Um, I'm talking about you and your relationship with your friends, with your neighbors, with your children, with your sibling, uh, with your parents, uh, with your in-laws. I want you to think about all your relationships. So this book is not just about marriage. It's walking about, it's about walking in healthy relationship. And again, it's going to lead us to this place of recognizing that my relationships around me really go back to my relationship with God within me and with myself. So let's jump into characteristic number one. You guys are like, finally, she's going to get to it. Each party feels freedom. Now, I talked about um, that that fear and how perfect love casts out fear. Where there's fear fear is, there's torment. There is no freedom there. The Bible says that um, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and there's freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but even as an adult, y'all, I'm 48 years old. Um, and I'm a counselor and a life coach and I I feel like I'm walking at this point in confidence in my relationship with the Lord, yet there are times when I don't feel totally confident or free in a moment to say no to a particular thing. Um, Sometimes I feel like it's just easier to say yes than to poke the bear or it's just easier to say yes than to go against the grain or be the one person who's the party pooper, whatever it is. But I want you to think about your life personally and how many times you have made decisions because you don't feel like you have a choice, Uh, where you think, well, I don't really have any choices, I don't have any options. You feel like it's something you have to do. Now, I want us to, to consider this from a level of what we would call normalcy of just, well, I just go along with it, to a level of abuse. And this is part of the issue here is where we're not and a lot of times parents if you're watching a lot of times in (laughs) with good intent we teach our children to just be nice and play what they want to play and all of these things as small children Um, And then when our kids become teenagers, we're like, don't do everything your friends want to do, right? So when they're four or five, we're like, well, maybe you should ask little Johnny what he wants to do. And sometimes we have to put our own needs and our own wants and our own desires aside and put the needs of others, interests of others before your own. And, and so it's this delicate balance of how do I put the needs of other people? um, How do I prioritize that without it cutting off the path of my own purpose? more importantly, without it cutting off the path of my own design. So you're going to hear me saying a lot about this. So each party feels freedom. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And here's that idea of being trapped. Again, a snare is a trap. And so I want you to think for a moment about some of your relationships. And I want you to ask yourself, not just do I feel free, but does that person feel free? In other words, my my mom lives in her home with us and um, I always say say to her, look, there are times when I ask you to give the kids rides or the kids ask you to do things, but I always, I, I love that you're here and you're here to serve, but I wanna make sure that you feel free to say no. That's important to me. So as I'm saying each party, remember this is not just about are you free, but are you cultivating within your relationships where the other party also feels free to say no to you. Do you feel like people just don't feel free to say no to you? Because if that's the case, you might be a bully. And so that's on you, that's not their fault. It's not for you to say, well, I don't know why they don't have the guts to say no to me. I would say to you, go directly to that person and say something I've done along the way uh, has not cultivated the freedom in our relationship where you can disagree with me, where you feel free to say no to me. Um, I'm the boss at work. I'm the founder of Crazy Eight Ministries, and so I have a lot of employees that work underneath of me. I have a lot of employees that work underneath of me for uh, my businesses, multiple businesses um, uh, that we own, and the reality is when we sit at a table and I'm throwing out an idea, I recognize that I'm not the one really doing all the daily operations in every business every day. And so I make sure I communicate every, ta- every time. Now here's my idea, here's what I'm thinking, and here's why I'm thinking it. However, there's room at this table for questions, for disagreement, for some healthy, healthy pushback. Um, And I love when some of my staff say, I'm I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. And I want them to feel free to push back because ultimately, here's your leadership tip, our collaborative IQ is much higher than my IQ. Um, More importantly, our collaborative spiritual IQ is much higher uh, than my spiritual IQ. But it is on me to cultivate that kind of an atmosphere where they feel free to say no. Y'all, there are like 10 traits in this entire, uh, in this entri- entire uh, chapter, so I- I've only hit one. So let's go to two. Each party feels safe and secure. So this is more than just physical safety, but it includes emotional and mental safe- safety. So I know that we all know it's true that there are some people, because of the way they were raised, because of their in- own insecurities, no matter what you do, they don't feel emotionally or mentally safe around you. It is also true that you may be that person. You may be that person that you're like, I just don't feel mentally, emotionally safe around that person. And it may be because that person doesn't cultivate that, but it may be because you have some wounds in your life that you need to work through. So I'm not going to go into the details of how to work through all that, but let it be said, if you are in a relationship where both parties do not feel safe and secure, that means even the other person. It is not God's picture of the most healthy relationship. So it is a part, a part of your um, ownership to be able to go back to that person and say, it doesn't seem like you feel safe and secure when you're around me and I'd like for us to have that conversation. Just a suggestion. Or it's up to you to take a look in the mirror and say, okay, what is it about this relationship, potentially a lot of relationships if it's you, that I don't feel mentally and emotionally safe? Where am I, remember, lacking the perfect love of God in my life? Where am I lacking the confidence in who I am that I don't feel mentally and emotionally safe in this relationship? So you're going to hear me saying through all of this is we are not going to be pointing our finger at the other person or quote unquote the abuser in our life. This is not about victim blaming you, it's about empowering you to come out of victim mentality. So when I am in a relationship and I don't feel safe and secure, whether it is the other person's fault or whether it's my fault, it is our right in Christ to take authority and change it, okay? So what I'm trying to do is empower you to make changes in your relationships, and as and we're going to be talking about setting healthy boundaries, um, and how those boundaries can potentially shatter relationships. They will either better or they will shatter your relationships. But the first thing we're trying to do is identify and kind of on a scale of one to ten evaluate what do my relationships look like. So <laughs> there is more to abuse um, than the use of the fist so abuse is when i just don't feel mentally emotionally safe around you and again that doesn't necessarily mean the other person is abusing you it could mean that you are a victim and you have positioned yourself under that person even though they have and and let me say this you are therefore then teaching and training that person to treat you like a victim okay so the reality is uh the old adage sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me i don't know about you guys but i was raised Um, with people saying that to me. And it's not true. All that saying is the emotional pain and the mental anguish that we often experience through uh, name calling, bullying, um, disrespectful behavior, people not treating us according to our God design, it does hurt. And it may not break my bones, but it can break my heart. And I don't know about you, but I'm much concerned about the condition of my heart than I am the condition of my bones. Um, and so if you were raised under that adage, Um, um, I apologize for you, I set you free from that, and I validate that um, sticks and stones may not have broken your bones, but names potentially have hurt and broken your heart. Um, And so I just validate that right now, and I just really just allow this healing to begin to come into your life, if that's you, where you were raised, Um, in a household or a system where people called you names, spoke to you in ways that were disrespectful to your design, that did not communicate the love of the kingdom to you. Come on now, I'm just speaking to somebody right now in the name of Jesus. I just just connect with you right now. More than that, I sense that the Holy Spirit is connecting with you and saying He understands, He recognizes that your heart was broken over these names that were spoken over you. And I just... I'm just gonna give you permission right now to just cry that out and let the Holy Spirit to begin to heal you and recognize that that has cultivated a feeling of not feeling safe and secure in your relationships. Um, And that is valid, that explains some things for you, but I'm calling forth a shift in your life right now where the things that you have used as an excuse to walk in the fullness of health in your relationships are now being shifted, that there are things in your past that can explain uh, the challenges and the fears that you have, but you're no longer going to allow those things to become an excuse. So this is what I'm talking about, the empowerment coming to you to saying like, I don't wanna walk in this victim mentality. I wanna be set free from the wounds of my past. I want to experience safety and security and freedom and every relationship that I have, that is what God wants for you. And I want you to want it for yourself. It is your God possibility. It is the potential of the kingdom. It is God's best for you that you would walk in relationships like that. Okay. So let's review part one step or trick one is each party feels free. Step two is each party feels safe and secure. The third one is this: each party owns up to their part. So we're talking about being quick to take relate, to take responsibility over our own actions, um, and so I, I often talk about uh, the blame game. We, we recognize that that started all the way back uh, in the Garden of Eden, where the first thing when God tried to hold Adam accountable. He blamed Eve. He did not own his part. He did not own up to his responsibility. Here's the real deal. Every relationship takes two people. Every relationship involves two people. And every relationship has develops what I call a personality. And both of the people play a part in developing the personality of the relationship. So that means you and the other person in every roommate, you and your spouse, you and your child, you and your parent, you and your sibling, you and your neighbor, you and your coworker, it is you and one other person that have partnered together to develop the personality of the relationship. So if there is brokenness in the relationship, the first thing each party should be doing is looking at the part that they played. Okay? Let's be honest, usually it's the opposite. Usually I'm looking for the part that the other person has played, and they're looking for the part I have played. But if each party owns up to their own part, this is one of the first steps to cultivating a healthy pattern and starting to cultivate a healthy relationship. I cannot stress this enough, this is one of the biggest things we need to overcome when I'm doing marital counseling is how do I own up to my own part. Because what happens is we blame the other party and we let the other party then navigate my behaviors, how I'm responding, who I am in a moment, instead of owning my part and saying, look, it doesn't matter how ugly you are in a moment, I'm gonna own my part in that relation, in that conversation or in that argument. I'm gonna own my part and I'm not gonna say, well, I yelled at you because you yelled at me first, okay? because that is saying that this person in that moment became uh, be, had power over me and I let their actions control my actions and I am focused on their part instead of my part. Okay? So I want you to focus on admitting your own faults, admitting your own weaknesses. Um, and again, how do we come to that place? The more I grow confident, in my, in God's love for me and that God is connecting himself with me in every situation, the more confident I am, the more courage I will have to say, you know what? I was wrong in that moment. Or that wasn't my favorite me. I say that a lot. That wasn't my favorite me. it wasn't my finest moments. I feel like I could have done better. Those kinds of statements should be normal in your relationships because you're owning your part. And if the other person never owns their part, that's on them. Again, that is a, that is a good um, indicator of the health of the relationship, but you can't force them to own, own their part. All you can do is start by demonstration, just saying, I'm just gonna start owning my part without an expectation that it's gonna change the other person. Ultimately, it will change the relationship. It will either make it better or it will shatter the relationship, and that's okay. We're gonna be talking about that when we come to healthy boundaries. So part of healthy boundaries is starting to own your own part and setting boundaries for yourself and saying like, I'm gonna set a boundary for myself and I'm not, I am have decided I don't like who I am when I yell, that's not who I want to be or when I use these words or when I behave in this manner or when I respond in insecurity, whatever it is, own up to it own your own stuff, get empowered, and start making a change in your life and stop worrying about the people around you. You cannot control everybody else around you. You cannot control the people in your relationships. The only thing you can control is yourself. Now, let's flip that coin. If you're in a relationship where you feel like you're the only person owning everything, you're the only person admitting your own faults, and the other person is always right, the other person never has faults, the other person never... It might be possible that you're in an unhealthy relationship. It might be possible that you're in uh, what we call a toxic, potentially an abusive relationship. Now, um, again, when I use the word abusive, I'm not necessarily talking about fists. Um, I'm talking about mentally and emotionally, you're not tr- being treated to the fullness of your design. That you have either, you are either under the control or you have placed. Okay, so let me explain this. If somebody is in control over somebody else, it's either because this person has come upon you and is controlling you, or it's because you have come under that person and you're letting them control you. So it's super important when I'm dealing with relationships, and usually it's both, okay, usually it's both. That's why we see people who are in abusive, physically abusive relationships go from abuser to abuser because they are, They believe in their own heart and their own mind. I'm worthy of abuse, I'm a victim. And so in every relationship, they continuously position themselves and they teach and train this person to control them. Okay, again, I'm not victim blaming, but I am trying to victim empower. I want to empower you to own what part have I played in the toxicity of this relationship. This is so important because I want you to be set free. It is so easy for us to blame everybody else in our relationships for the rest of our life, but you will never be set free until you start looking in the mirror. I want you to be empowered. Okay, so this leads up to The final trait that I will go over for this episode and then we will do part two uh, traits of of a healthy relationship. Repentance is normal. When was the last time you repented? And by repent, I don't mean, oh, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is, oh my gosh, I see it first and foremost the way God sees it. And I'm saddened and I'm grieved by my attitude, my words, my behaviors, my response. I'm sad for me, I'm sad for God and I'm sad for you. So it's not this flippant, well I'm sorry. It's literally I have come into an agreement and I see it the way this I see it the way God sees it, which is how it has hindered or grieved both parties. So it should not only be normal, but it should feel safe. Meaning? So safe to repent means I don't fear that this person is A, not gonna forgive me, but more importantly, that they're going to mock me in my repentance. Sometimes we it's hard to repent, and so it is important that when you are in a relationship that repentance is normal, but the way you respond to repentance is gracious and is loving. We want to cultivate um, a relationship where our children feel safe to repent. Sometimes when our children uh, apologize to us, we go into this, condemning and the shaming and you should be sorry for what you did and all of these things and you're you're teaching your children not to repent that it's not safe to repent so you want to be a person that teaches and trains people in your relationship the other parties in your relationship you want to teach and train them that they are safe to repent to you and that there's going to be grace and you're gonna recognize and you're gonna be like well I, I sure hope you blah 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 um, th- that is not a healthy relationship so let me review quickly the uh, characteristics of today so we talked about perfect love casts out all fear so the ultimate um, the ultimate barometer is do i feel fear in this relationship also do, does do the other parties in my relationships feel fear in their relationship with me so remember we're flipping this coin back and forth so we want to be a part of cultivating healthy relationship it's not all about me but it's also about the people that i'm in relationship with i want to cultivate health with, with within them as well so each party feels freedom was one each party feels safe and secure was two each party owns up to their part is three and repentance is normal okay so this was um talking about healthy attributes of a healthy relationship part one hopefully i'll be able to finish all of them in part two Um, don't forget to get a copy of the book um, it spells all of these things out, goes into more depth of some of the things that I'm talking about. Y'all, I'm, just, I'm, I'm only on page 18 of a book that's uh, over 200 pages. Um, so I want you to be walking in the fullness of your God design. Remember, enforcing purpose. It starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.